Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Engadget podcast. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe, and today, instead of my usual co-host, Devendra Hardwar, who's off on break, I am joined by UK Bureau Chief and generally fairly charming person, Matt Smith. Hi. Hi. Charming for one hour per day. That's the limit. Yeah. You get get the entire hour here, right here, right now. (laughs) Yes, and Matt is here to talk with me about all the news that happened this week with a major focus, obviously, on Google's Pixel 5 event, or they called it Launch Night In, and it was actually nighttime in the UK, I think, when it was happening. Um, Microsoft also unveiled a bunch of new Surface devices. We're going to talk about that as well, but also, Matt Smith, you know, your review of the iOS 14 software, I guess, just went up this week too. So we're going to tell people what you thought about that. Uh, As usual, if you're liking this show, please subscribe to the Engadget podcast on your podcast catcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes because that'll help more people discover and hopefully like us. And yeah, if you have more thoughts, you can always send a long rambly email to podcast at Engadget.com. So on Wednesday, Google had its launch night in event, which uh, again, like I said, People were pointing out that it was not nighttime, but I don't think Google really cares. Uh, and they unveiled, as we expected, the new Chromecast with Google TV, the new Nest Audio speaker, as well as the Pixel 5 and Pixel 4a 5G. Now that we've had some time to sit with the news and kind of like think about what we feel about these products, Matt, what are your thoughts? Like, what stood out to you? Uh, I like the look of everything. I just aesthetic-wise, like that new Chromecast is... Really cute, very stylish, really slick. Um, the Nest Audio speaker also yep. looks really cute. A selection yeah. of colors. Um, mm. I, th- I think the thing I, the main take home was we knew all this was coming. There yeah. was nothing, the only thing exciting, and I see it in your notes, was that the Pixel 5 comes in a really pretty color. Um, <laughs> Green that I'm wearing today. I mean, I've, I realized like I already, I'm already on trend because that's my iPhone case color as well. This oh, looks like it could you. be a Pixel 5. Yeah, yeah, uh, you might sorry, be. I'm just showing this on the YouTube stream for podcast people. They won't know what the hell. Oh, yeah. And speaking speaking of, actually, I should have shouted this out earlier, but those of you who are listening to the podcast, if you want to join us on Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern on the Engadget YouTube channel, we do live recordings of the Engadget podcast where you can shoot your questions directly at us and have them answered in between segments. Anyway, so, yeah, the Pixel 5 and 4a 5G, I think, is what most people were excited to see. However, I think most people also came away disappointed uh, with yeah. what was actually in the phones. This is like a six ninety nine. So the Pixel Five is the so called flagship model, and it's six hundred ninety nine dollars. Um, you get five G for the price and an ultra wide camera, which I am stoked for or happy about. Uh, but then like a Snapdragon seven hundred sixty five processor, which I think the the chip nerds and the hardware nerds are pretty upset about. Does that bother you, Matt? Not at all. Like I've been, I can't remember the. I think the Pixel Four A, which we've we've both played with, and have, like I have one somewhere on my desk somewhere right now that I can't see. But um, that has a very <laughs> modest processor, as did the OnePlus Nord that I reviewed recently. Like mm-hmm. um, it's a. I think it is the power users, the kind of people that <clears throat> you know watched this event last night and had opinions immediately. Right, like, right. They're very, you know, they have very high standards. So yeah, if you have high standards. The 765G is not going to be as good as, say, an 865, which is like the fancy mm-hmm. processor you're seeing in the top drawer, Samsung phones, things like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And even even the S20 FE, the fan edition, which I believe is going for about $600, is uh, using an 865 with triple cameras. So there's a lot of comparison to that phone there. We can get into that a little bit later. But you were saying. Uh, No, like it it was just funny how much they took away from the Pixel 4 in comparison to the Pixel 5. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, let's run through it. So the main things is... They've got rid of this, you know, hugely trumpeted five years in development solely radar <laughs> module, right? So that yes. means no face unlock and none of those, uh, you know, hands-free motion sense controls. Um, like, Cher, you you didn't use the Pixel 4 for a while because it wasn't face detecting you, right? Like, Yeah, I actually held off on using the uh, Pixel 4 as my main because the face unlock was so bad. But I will say Google has rolled up, rolled out updates in the past few months that make it a lot better. Actually, I can even unlock it with a mask on now. That's good. Um, But yeah, the main like motion sense controls, I did not go near them whatsoever. Like... Yeah, it was like kind of annoying too, and I think also causing battery drain, uh, which is a huge issue with pixels in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I I can see why they removed it in part because a it seemed like it wasn't doing very much. Uh, to be a little harsh, it seemed like it was pretty useless. Um, B it was a battery drain, right? And C is like a component that would be expensive to yeah. add in a flagship. So like, there's a lot of wins here, and you you know, the, the it's a net good for the Pixel Five compared to the Pixel Four. And like you said, battery. Yeah. That's another thing that we do know about that the Pixel Five comes with a much bigger, I think, four thousand milliamp hour battery. Yeah, which is We're finally think, starting with a four. Yeah, Pixel. right. <laughs> like I think the four was like I want to say like three two or three four three thousand four hundred or so. Yeah, like, thirty three ish. I don't know the specs yeah. offhand right now. But yeah. the point is, this is a huge jump up, and that's like that's like you know those final hours of the day where you just want your phone to last till you you know you're back at your apartment, right? That's the yeah. that's those core hours of use you want. So then again, it's all good stuff. It is, but as is usual for Google, they've used mm-hmm. like software to make up for poor hardware or not poor hardware, but like, you know, limited hardware. Um, and in this case, I think this with the Pixel 5, they also announced this thing called Extreme Battery Saver Mode, which hmm. to me is like, I don't know if I want my phone to be that basic just to get a few extra, you know, minutes or hours out of it. It's, it's going to like kill all but essential functions, it seems like. And I don't know how much more use that'll be than an already existing battery saver mode. Yeah, just um, put more battery in the thing. Like, <laughs> why? Conf- like, often, like we've seen these extreme, you know, battery saving modes on other phones, often yes. Android phones, and it is. Yes. just very, you can like barely get to SMS, maybe email, phone calls. Yeah. If you're lucky, WhatsApp is often included, but that's not why you have your phone. You have your phone to take photos, to watch Netflix on, you know, the train home. You've got it to listen to podcasts or read a Kindle book on. Right. right. You don't want this really basic functionality. It's, it's all but having a dead phone. Yeah. Like, who's <laughs> who's even taking calls anymore? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you, if you only allow me... I, yeah, I try not to either. But <laughs> it, it, it's weird. This is a, a weird approach. I do think, though, it seems like they try, they sacrifice quite a bit just to have a 5G phone that comes under $700. We had a little like roundtable, me and a few reporters uh, had a roundtable meeting with hardware chief Rick Osterloh right after the event. And a lot of us asked him that question, like, this is weird. Are you not doing flagships anymore? And Osterloh was like, no, that's not impossible. Like, that's not beyond <laughs> the realm of possibility. And like some, someone was saying, you know, did you have plans to make a phone like this before COVID struck? Or was this... Uh, you know, kind of a pivot because this year just doesn't make sense economically to make a flagship level phone. And I think Osterloh said something along the lines of, no, we couldn't predict a pandemic and this has been in the works for about a year. So it looks like Google's approach has, is, is, it may be to focus on giving people like a good phone for like a reasonable price. And then it's ex- interesting to see what they choose to leave out in that case, right? Yeah, like my, cons- you know, if I put my, I put my conspiracy theory hat somewhere else. But if I had it on, my, my, my entire, you know, it makes complete sense why they made the Pixel Five cheaper and they made a four A twice. You know, the four A and the four A five G. It's because the three A was such a hit for them last year. I think you did the report yeah. on the earnings, right, Cher? And they sold like double the amount of phones. When they Might have been the Nate who did that report, but yeah, yeah, they yeah. sold a lot of Pixel 3As and also have sold a lot more Pixel 4As. The affordable line, the A line is really good and it's it's just hard to be like, it almost feels like the 
for a is the better phone is because for the price mm. you're getting exactly what you expect whereas the five is twice that and doesn't feel like it's twice the phone right it's not not quite twice, is it? Like it's five hundred for the four A five G, right? Well, I'm talking about the four A, which was three fifty. Oh versus, yeah, yeah, totally yeah. true. Yeah, and you know, five G is like, isn't everywhere. Like five G is still not. Yeah, know, we're still very early yeah. days for these next generation networks. Um, but I'm already right. recommending the four A to loads of people. Um, it'll be interesting to see if there's just enough stock for everyone that wants four A phones to get one. Will you will you continue to recommend the Pixel Five to your friends and family and and your mom? By the way, that's an interesting hi. one. Hi, hi to uh, Engadget Supervan, my mom. She's probably listening somewhere. Um, that's the thing. <laughs> like, can you recommend the Pixel Five? I mean, I'm a, like, I like wireless charging. Um, I like you know the color. The sage green color is beautiful. I like that as well. Mm-hmm. Water resistance. One extra camera. I think it might just be, depend on. We'll test these cameras and see if the Pixel Five has a noticeably better camera experience yeah but like the 4a had an incredible camera experience for and i mean some of the the yes so yeah i think i'll start recommending the 4a i mean but you're getting these new features um speaking of the cameras though yeah there's some new features coming right like portrait light which we've seen on iphones and we've seen on some other huawei's actually made its own version of that um and it's going to be nice for me at least to play around with that feature um night sight with portrait mode you've got cinema pan coming as a stabilization mode for videos on the phone so great i uh, would love to test them out but it's also these features aren't things that they need to necessarily keep on the pixel 5 they could roll it out backwards to four a's and so on so I mean, yeah, I other than if, the fact that it doesn't have an ultra-wide camera. That's what I was going to say. That, like, the lack of two cameras, I think, on the 4A and stuff like that will stop maybe the panning mode, which is funny because yeah. the LG Wing, which is also kind of floating around Richard Lai's writing a, like, an impressions <laughs> piece on it at the moment, the yes. Wing does that as well with its cameras. So yeah. it's very, you know, isn't it interesting how all these phones appear with nigh-on identical features? <laughs> Basically. I mean, they're, they're, people are running out of ideas, and yeah. but it's a race to see who does it better. Uh, I want to explain extreme battery saver mode a little bit better. Like exactly what do you get for extreme battery saver? So according to Google, it will let your phone's battery get an extra 48 hours depending on how you customize customize it. So when you turn it on, extreme battery saver will change your phone screen timeout to 30 seconds. So instead of staying on the whole time, it'll just go dark every 30 seconds or if you're not using it for uh, shorter than longer than 30 seconds it will also turn off your work profile if you have something like that set up and then it will also let you pick what apps you want to keep running while everything else is like disabled temporarily so it sounds like you have the option of picking what runs for me man i don't know what would you keep running if you had to choose like when your phone is dying and you want to have yeah. only two or three apps running god that's that's yeah that's tricky right um right I'd have like an aud- some kind of audio player, whether that's music or podcast. I can probably run those. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't it's know. A hard do, do, one. Some, just... do some come to mind for you? I mean, I almost always just think Instagram, but Instagram A is a battery hog. B is like <laughs> frivolous. <laughs> I would have Spotify, hopefully, to play my local tunes because that's essential for me when going home on my commute and stuff. Um, I can't think what else. Sometimes maybe maps if you're out and about and you're looking for a place. Ooh, yeah. It really depends. There's things as well like, you know, these days you can't just turn off Bluetooth for that slightly little bit more of battery because we're using right. wireless headphones or, you know, other peripherals where you've got a wearable that connects to your phone. There's things yeah. like that. Um, I'm, yeah. trying, I'm looking at Extreme Battery Saver now. Um, <laughs> seeing what kind of options. So, yeah, you can. it seems like you can very much pick and choose what this will affect. Yeah. But then doesn't that ruin the whole point of it? (laughs) Yeah. And also, yeah. And people were always like, turn on airplane mode. Uh, Like, maybe that's the way. But I don't know. Well, look, we'll have to put this to deeper testing to know, like, maybe when I have the phone in hand and I'm testing this mode out, maybe I'll know better what, like, my use cases are. Right now, I'm not going anywhere. It's not like I'm not next to a plug all the time. So it's okay. Um, What else? Did you have anything, like, else that jumped out at you about the 5 or the 4A 5G? uh we've kind of covered the main things like it's retreading a lot of ground right it's um yeah it's funny that you know the head of you know the head of google hardware said it was a flagship or like he believed i'm not sure how he worded it in what his way around it yeah but 
it's it's a- more that they they he said that it's not impossible that Google might make you know higher end flagships soon. I think a lot of the people on that call with me were miffed at the fact that the processor is slower than last year's flagship model. Yeah. Um and yeah, there's not that much really exciting about it. I mean, there's this feature called hold for me, which helps you stay on hold with an operator on like your tech support call or when you're trying to get in touch with your bank and using Google's uh, assistant AI, which, you know, has powers features like duplex for restaurant reservations. Um, I think it's going to be good and helpful, but doesn't feel like it's that great a deal. I don't know. Here's something you might not, I think this might have happened, or at least people realized it when you clocked off for the night. Do you know that um, in the UK, we're getting these phones on the 15th? Well, we're getting the 5 on the Pixel 5 on the 15th in the UK and several uh-huh. other countries. But in the US, they're not coming till the end of October. Oh, so you guys are getting it earlier than, out, than us? Yeah. In retail. Oh, it's right. Like it's so people 2011. Can- all over again. What I saw, what I saw was that people were pre-ordering today, but the ship date was yes. October thirtieth. Which that's it, yeah. It's a special day for me. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, you guys are getting it a little bit earlier, two weeks earlier, which is, I mean, I guess good for you. Congratulations. Good for um, you. The other thing I realized is that five G, depending on which carrier or which type of 5g you opt for when you're buying the pixel 5 and for a 5g well might cost you an extra hundred dollars yeah which oi 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 ridiculous mm. verizon's exclusive white color version is a hundred dollars more so do you really like verizon customers are you getting a really bad deal a requisite disclaimer that verizon is our parent company and owns us but has no control over editorial content and has never sent me questions. a free limited edition white phone either yeah not yet phones. i guess maybe. have you got free phones from verizon you're not telling me i don't me have free phones i have like my employee phone and i have like review units that verizon okay. will also send you know what i mean so okay. Those those sorts of things. But anyhow, that's that seems like a huge deal. Like you're the whole point of these phones is that you, you know, Google were trying to make 5G a thing and then you've sacrificed other high-end features. Meanwhile, the 5G version that actually will improve speeds, the millimeter wave ultra wide band version, is going to cost $100 more. Like then what was the whole point of trying to keep the price down by sacrificing some of these other features? Feels like kind of a Yeah, like with you yeah, you know it's it's a running joke that you know way too much about five G and millimeter wave and the rest of it. It's but like, does it your isn't it a joke. bit? Isn't it my running joke? Yeah, but isn't like this all a bit irrelevant until five G is completely like all encompassing and rolled out everywhere? Like the benefits yeah, but... aren't that. Go ahead. Up front, are they at this early stage? Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's also for future-proofing. I think there are people who are buying phones now that they want to keep for two years, and so in two years, hopefully the coverage will be much better and these phones that you buy today can help you get on those networks and you won't be left behind. I will say if you're like on something like a T-Mobile where they're not using ultra wideband, they're using sub six, then the difference between gigabit LT and that is like minimal. It's like a 25% boost and you're not going to really notice 25 you're not there on your clock like it's not 25 percent faster this download you're not you so it's it might not be as significant so look I don't know what everyone else thoughts are on 5G, the Pixel 5 and the Pixel 4a 5G. But if you have something you want to get off your chest, make sure you send your thoughts to podcast at Engadget.com. Yeah, and tell us which one you'd buy. Would you like just buy the awesome. 4a, the basic? Would you get the 4a 5G? Yeah. Or would you buy the Pixel 5? If so, why? Also, what color are you going to get? Probably the green. Um Anyhow, I think that's really all we can say so far about the phones before we get them and start testing them ourselves. So stay tuned for our impressions on that. Google also unveiled a new Chromecast with Google TV. Uh, Matt, do you watch TV? <laughs> yes, I do watch TV. Um, I watch <laughs> Wait, a lot of there are some stuff. people who don't. <laughs> I mean, like, you think you can just about see it in the background here. Um, yes, I have an oversized oh, yeah. TV. Uh, mostly streaming services because, you know, I was born in the 80s. Uh, but yeah, like I do have a Chromecast. Um, we'll get to what I use my Chromecast for later on. But uh, I know they Why sent don't... one to you. You've had a play, haven't you? You've yeah, had a play I, I've had a play with the new Chromecast and I, I really like it. First of all, the physical difference mm. uh, is noticeable, right? I mean, before this, I was using a Chromecast, the original Chromecast stick, which was $35 only. And then I also recently like 
kicked my TV over, so I had to like. I think I broke the original Chromecast, so I had to upgrade to a Chromecast Ultra, uh, and that's like a, a like a disc, like a round, like a circle, but that's about two inches uh, thick. Anyway, so the new Chromecast is more like a pebble almost with its smooth finish and its kind of rounded shape, um, and it comes in cute colors. I've got the blue um, option. There's also like this coral looking color, and I think a white. But anyhow. It looks good. It looks very in line with the rest of Google's. And the like, new one is fifty dollars, right? This new device. Yeah, and I think that's the same price as the original, as the Chromecast Ultra. Yeah. Um, and there's support for 4K HDR, Dolby Vision, surround sound, all the good stuff you'd expect from a modern streaming player. Uh, but the big deal, or the two big deals anyway, with the new Chromecast is Google TV. Have you heard that name before, Matt? Like once upon a time, many years ago. What have they brought it back? Yeah, so ten <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in, they did that. T- yeah, you are an '80s kid. Uh, ten years <laughs> ago, <laughs> Google launched this thing called Google TV with the Nexus Player. I don't know if anyone remembers that. But way back when, uh, Google already used this name. Then Android TV became a thing that it launched a year after it, you know, announced the original Chromecast, which was, so 2013 original Chromecast, 2014 Android TV launched. So Android TV then started to replace Google TV. Well, now it looks like Google TV is going to replace Android TV again. So it's just very confusing for a lot of people who are trying to keep up with what's what and I will try to explain it all to y'all. Basically, Google TV is this interface that makes that comes with the Chromecast and lets you like look at all your different TV shows or your movies across all your different apps like HBO, Hulu, Prime Video, etc., and Netflix. And you get recommendations based on your, you know, what you've seen across all of these different surfaces, services, as well as like your watch list. You can like save stuff to one combined watch list. Uh, oh, that's, despite that's useful, right? Exactly. Across all of these different services, which I really like. And I've been actually using this feature for a while on Play Movies and TV, which has been around for years and years. People just don't know about it. And it sucks because it's a a very underrated feature. I'm glad it's getting some attention now. Um, But yeah, so Google TV is this layer that runs on top of the OS. And the OS is going to stick around and be called Android TV still. So that's where the confusion lies. You're you're not going to see on your TV the words Android TV anymore. You will see the words Google TV and you'll see this new like layout. But Google's still going to keep the name Android TV around, which like a lot of people are very confused by. No, I don't know makes, if this bothers yeah, you, this Matt. This makes no sense. Like, yeah. like, this is like 17 layers of Google just <laughs> deciding to have, you know, a bazillion Google Meet video calls and decide how to, you know make google well make google's you know streaming tv service relevant or interesting in some way so i don't like why i don't yeah it's great but (laughs) so hard to care right so hard to care about this i i barely care i i care about what like the user is going to experience which is like i mean the other big thing I, i kind of mentioned was the new remote control and this makes the I mean, people who, like you, Matt, have been using a Chromecast and like me, know that like you're generally very reliant on your phone yeah, if you use yeah. a Chromecast or your laptop or whatever you choose. And this makes it like the new interface plus this just makes this whole thing feel more like a smart TV. And for those who already have a smart TV, like you bought a Samsung or a Roku or TCL smart TV with its OS built in, good for you. The rest <laughs> of us aren't lucky enough to be, you yeah. know, and like all I got is a dumb a word tv that i have an hdmi slot and i've stuck the dongle in and like it was like living in 2012 so now with the new chromecast i feel like i'm living in 2020 at last yes this is so this is out for sale now right as well i can buy one yep yep do you want to go buy one it's fifty dollars you can buy it yeah you can buy it at home depot last week too oh so Um, what i wanted to come back to is what i use my chromecast for actually Um, yes anything else you wanted to add about the vital specs or do you think you're You've covered bases. If people have questions, they can can ask us on the YouTube live chat. Uh, We will answer them when we break for a pause later on. But yeah, please tell me what you use your Chromecast for. So mostly I play Stadia on it. Now, does this play Stadia? 
It, it will support Stadia in the first half of 2021. Or, but, but some people who've already bought the Chromecast before the announcement were already testing it out with Stadia and they said it works. That's such so, a weird... This is like when they launched Stadia and it would only work with some Chromecast Ultras. I don't... Yeah. This is very much like a back-end thing. Is this just, just to funnel it so that the service doesn't get overrun or... I don't get You mean the delay? You mean yeah. why there's a delay? Yeah. I, I, I don't really know either. I think it has something to do with, yeah, like you said, how they're getting the processing to happen. I don't know if they have dedicated, like, something to working on that. I have no idea why there's a delay, but that's a good question. I might ask yeah. Google after. Yeah, like, I, t- I can't understand the delay, but, like, you know, if they had enough meetings to relabel Android TV as Google TV, then they probably have a good reason for delaying Stadia on their brand new streaming device. It makes yeah, no sense. Yeah. It makes no sense. I know. Anyway, so so stay tuned for our deeper review on that. But if you already want some uh, pretty detailed impressions, my hands-on is up on Engadget.com. Just kind of my experience after two days with this thing. Um, so last thing that Google unveiled uh were new speakers which we were expecting and i think the like the big surprise there is the name is nest audio no longer are we going to use the google home brand for their speakers nest audio and there's a big focus as you can tell from the name that audio quality is their whole thing now matt what speaker do you use what speaker do i use if at all i am afraid to say ones in case they pick up that i'm talking at them i have Two Use another home, name for it. Yeah. I have two HomePods, Apple HomePods, mm-hmm. um, one in the mm-hmm. bedroom, one in, well, I guess the lounge. It's kind of an all-in-one apartment here. Mm-hmm. Then I have Google, I have a Google Mini, Google Home mm-hmm. Mini, I think, to use mm-hmm. the right terms. Uh, the Coral one, which is beautiful, in my bedroom as well. Oh. And then I have a Google Home Hub in my kitchen. <laughs> and then I think my Sonos does, I'm looking around the room if you hear my audio fading and out. <laughs> I think I have my Sonos does a smart, smart assistant nonsense as well. Um, so yeah, all of them apart from Amazon Alexa, which so I've you've not got a very here. good, yeah, you've got a good setup. I I'm the uh, non Apple end of that conversation where I have all the <laughs> things you just said minus Sonos, but I have uh, Amazon's Echo speaker. So, the, what is your preferred? Like, what do you think in terms of music quality? What would you play music on? Let's I'll, say take the Sonos out of the equation, though. Yeah, oh, definitely the unfair. HomePod, which makes sense. It costs so much more than the others, but definitely the HomePod. Like, um, yeah. I used to have both of them set, set up, like, side by side to my TV. And playing music mm-hmm. then in stereo mode, it just sounded mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. I had the Max, the home, the Nest Home Max, I think that was called. Mm-hmm. The big okay, yeah. smart speaker. The big and that sounded, yeah. yeah. No, not the big screen one. The one that was oh, just the a, a speaker. Oh, the speaker, Home Max. The Google Yeah, Home, home Max, Max. yeah. yeah. Now that yeah. sounded great as well. That was very impressive, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I'm start. I like I have smart speaker malaise now. Like <laughs> they don't yeah. do enough, do they? Like if I think the main aim is what do you want it for? Like yeah. if you want decent audio quality, use that to specify which speaker you buy. But the mm-hmm. other ones, like these minis, like the Nest Mini, that's mm-hmm. that will suffice for ninety percent of your smart home tasks and what you want from a smart assistant. Yeah. I think for me, um, we were talking on the live stream yesterday after the Google event that mm. uh, I have both the Amazon Echo and the home and I generally prefer the, I can't say the word, the, the hot word in case my assistant wakes up and tries to ask me what I want. Anyway, the Echo has somehow better music quality i think than my google home but so i am excited to see what nest audio will deliver i mean they've improved some of the drivers and the subwoofers and also google uses some pretty good software to tune the music output like it did on the nest mini can you say uh, so sub, subwoofer again please subwoofer why you said subwoofer what i look we know my accents all over the place because i'm from all over the world it's fine um but anyway so yeah so <laughs> sorry but no it's okay the thing about the nest audio is it comes in at 99 dollars. it sounds like it's going to provide music quality that mark ronson was very on board with by the way apparently yeah. um so I, I i am excited to hear it for myself i just don't think that i can say much until i have these to test and yeah this is the curse of all of these remote events right unless you like we got the chromecast at least to play with ahead of yeah. time but yeah without testing there isn't much to say that we're not parroting from either our own experience or the press release 
One other thing yeah. I want to add about the Nest Audio is like the Apple's HomePods, you are able to pair them, right? So you can make up a little stereo pair to make them sound yep. even better. And that would be what, I two, am excited for that. $200 all in then for like a stereo audio setup, which isn't bad. Yeah. It's it's not bad at all. So really, the crucial thing now would be to see what kind of quality you're getting for that price, right? For the stereo pairing and the $200. Is it Sonos level? I don't know. Is mm. it Sony level? I don't know either. Uh, the other thing that Google demoed during its event too was like this big stage setup where they had different speakers peppered around the space. And then this music uh, artist just walking around saying yo, assistant, play the music on this speaker instead, play on that speaker instead. Like, it it made it seem like it was moving along with him, even though it was really hard to tell on video, like, if the music really was playing through, like, a specific speaker. Um, But this multi-room audio idea is something that Google has talked about before, and it seems like they're going to try to find a way to make all your speakers that are Google-powered play at the same time to give you this really immersive experience. Does that sound like a nightmare to you, Matt, or or like? Actually, it it sounds ideal because, like I said, like I have a, I mean, what I've only got like four rooms in my apartment, but like what I have four rooms. Well, I'm including like the corridor room that goes from the bathroom. Luxury. Yeah, such luxury. Anyway, the point is I have a Google device in my bedroom and I have a Google device in my lounge, living, dining, kitchen room. So it would be kind of cool to like, because I do have to kind of bark orders to turn off lights and turn off speakers. Right. Like um, whatever this kind of room-based detection is, if it could also switch off lights, Mm. um, Mm. that would be pretty cool. That's the thing is that it doesn't seem like they're sensing where you're at in the space just yet. It seems like you still have to shout commands at the speaker to get it to like play on the next one or now I'm in well, my bedroom. That's, that's what I'm here. doing now. That's dumb. I know. I don't know. I don't know yet. Maybe they'll have more details to share uh, on how that works. But it would be super cool if they were able to sense your presence and just like turn on the music wherever you walk and turn on your lights. Right. That's like yeah. smart home goals. Yeah, very much so. Like, I don't. I. I looks. It seems like I'm absolutely dogging on Google and everything they've announced. <laughs> I, you're not alone. I think that the grand recap of the overall event is that a lot of people on our live stream seemed to leave disappointed. Nobody on our live stream, which tends to be a lot of like gadget hardcore fans anyway. No, none of them were impressed by the smart home stuff, and none of them liked the Pixel Five. Uh, except for a few who pre-ordered already and they were going to pre-order regardless. <laughs> yeah, anyway. irrespective so of whatever they announced, yeah. I think maybe the problem is that the 4A was already announced and kind of stole yeah. a lot of the thunder here. Like, it's a, like, I'm going to talk about it later on this podcast, but it's a great, <laughs> it's it's a great phone. Sure, it's a bit boring in black, but like the, like the capability and how it looks, it looks like a next-gen phone. Yeah. Like, you know, it's yeah. edge-to-edge screen, pinhole camera, yeah. incredible cameras on the back. Um, and you get all that with the 4A, 5G, and the 5, but you have to pay a lot more money to do that. I agree. I mean, I think Google shot itself in the foot a little bit by releasing the 4A, 5G in tandem with the 5, because then now it's like, what do you pick? Overall, though, it seems like everyone's biggest compliment to Google for the event was how short it was. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Everyone was like, 30 minutes, yay, bye. (laughs) Which I don't know if it's a bad sign. (laughs) But I think it's it's like it's indicative of all these remote press conferences we've seen and had to sit through. Like Samsung's pretty guilty of it. Apple's pretty guilty Uh, of it. Yes. Um, Google Google did tell me ahead of the launch that this was going to be short, sweet, and they know that no one wants to... They've listened to feedback that no one wants to sit through long things like that anymore. So I think they kept it short for a reason. But despite still keeping it short, they were able to squeeze in a long rap about all the channels you get on YouTube Live, which I found actually impressive. Like my jaw dropped as they like did that rabbit was fun to watch i guess i mean producer ben can we cut in some of that for the podcast <laughs> Let's go. we got abc we got acc adult swim animal planet and amc uh, you can watch bbc america world news bet and bravo why you eating nachos the chips are looking salty man you need a little cheddar we got big to network cartoon network cbs and cheddar we got cmt CBS so there you have it it's like the main takeaway from the google event was that short and sweet rap and then ultimately the products were kind of just expected food network to brush up on your recipes too fox are free from fs1 and fs2 oh yes yes not one not two but three channels by fx golf and hg TV, HLN, ID, and ISC, a local network, and MLB network, motor, tramper, driver, we...
So enough about Google. Let's talk about some even more immediate news. Um, just this morning, today's Thursday, Microsoft announced Ooh. a handful mm-hmm. of new updates. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it was like, great job, Microsoft. We didn't need news, uh, extra news this week, but thank you. However, the good news is these things seem very straightforward. There's nothing too complex here. Uh, there's a new Surface Laptop Go, which is Oh, adorable. And then <laughs> the Surface Pro X got a new processor. That's the high-level overview. Uh, and, I mean, there's also some new accessories that you can check out in Gadget.com for all the details on. But yeah, Matt, what are you what are you thinking? I know you're not... I don't think you're a PC user, are you? No, it's about time I kind of got back into it. But um, I'd, yeah, mm-hmm. like I'd like for you to like help me out here. How do I separate the Surface Laptop Go from the Surface Go 2? Or even the Surface Go. Indeed. Like, what's the difference? Here? Yes. So here you go. The Surface <laughs> is the Surface as a line are tablets first. They're the ones with the kickstands built in, right? So the Surface Laptop is that clamshell, that like with the keyboard attached sort of style. So the Surface Go was that ten-inch, cute, tiny little tablet with a very kind of weak processor to start off with, uh, but it's super affordable and also even cuter than the Laptop Go. The Surface Laptop Go is like the mini version of the Surface Laptop 3. And it's got, instead of the 13-inch and 15-inch models that the Laptop 3 is available in, you'll have this 12.4-inch screen. So it's very reminiscent of, remember the baby MacBook, uh, the 12-inch MacBook that yeah, recently Yeah, the original, got, the original like yeah. MacBook plain no air no pro yeah exactly no additional word at the end of its name the really that i bought the only macbook that i ever bought for myself (laughs) it's 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 more or less the same as that and also i think the matebook 13 but anyway so it's really cute and it comes in two new colors one of them is this ice blue is the name for it but it's just this really pretty almost pastel blue and then there's also this like copperish goldish color and i can't remember the exact name for it uh but it's also attractive so it's just an option i think that's good for someone that doesn't want something too big or powerful and it starts at 549 dollars, which for a surface laptop i think is not bad at all um, for that price, you're getting a 10th generation Intel Core i5 to start with. And uh, I mean, like the full details, like how much RAM, you can go up to 16 gigs of RAM, but obviously that'll cost more. 256 gigs of storage will also cost you more. Um, but I mean, this is a nice introduction to what Microsoft's Surface laptops can offer. Um, and I've recommended the Surface laptops in general as an alternative to the Dell XPS line for a while. Davindra's always like, anytime you ask Davindra what PC to get, Davindra's like, XPS, XPS. this and that. Yeah. XPS. Yeah. Davindra XPS hardware. But I'm like, look, not everyone wants to get an XPS. Sometimes someone wants something with a different look. And this, I think, the laptop go with its new colors and this cute little size that the XPS line doesn't have offers like another option for someone looking for something a bit different i mean like i'm reading davindra's uh write-up now of this new laptop go and he's like it's still not as mm-hmm. the bezels aren't as thin as the dell's yeah. xps 13 i'm like give it up davindra we, we get it okay <laughs> we get it i mean he's not wrong but also this is a 550 dollar laptop this isn't a thousand dollar notebook exactly he he's does not, not let up, he's does not he? wrong the bezels are indeed not as thin, but they're pretty thin. I look at, I mean, looking at the pictures, yeah. c- c- to be clear, we haven't touched these devices or seen them in person. So I'm only really going off of videos and uh, pictures that Microsoft has sent. But they're, they're, they're not the chunky bezels from years past. These are, mm. these look modern. They have a three by two aspect ratio. And, you know, the Microsoft's Pixel Sense screen has been good. Now, the one concern for laptops that are that small in general is that their keyboards are usually not up to par um and i don't know how much time you've spent with like a macbook 12 inch keyboard matt uh they were pretty terrible <laughs> but yeah my microsoft is like we have a full-size keyboard and we've got like a big trackpad so it'll be nice to see like what the keyboard experience is on the surface laptop go being so small yeah well that, uh, i must ooh. can i just say sherlin that was a an incredibly comprehensive walk through everything i'm very impressed I, I mean, I still have one last thing to tell you about. I oh, left one thing let out. Me, let, which me, is... let me put my chin on both of my hands then. <laughs> tell me more. Yes. Um, for that size also, right, another concern is battery life. But 
uh, Microsoft is promising like up to 13 hours of juice on this thing. So it again, I have to see it in person, see how chunky, heavy, and and you know, sizey this thing is. How sizey um, is it? That's a great sizey. question. Sizey. It's a it's a good game to play in our downtime. Anyway. Um, <laughs> But yes, the the potential for this device to be really good is there. I want to check it out as soon as possible. And yeah, five forty nine, a great starting price, almost like half, slightly more than half of the Surface Laptop three starting price. Could could you say it was? It's the Pixel four A of Windows laptops. <laughs> I can't say that yet because I haven't tested it, but it, it might be. Wow, that's a very good like analogy for the really hardcore tech nerds because like like, imagine if i wrote that in my review right if i wrote that in my review and someone like my neighbor reads it they're like what is the pixel 4a (laughs) yeah let's engadget readers you know they know these things yeah engadget readers are smarter than the average um i don't mean smarter i mean more informed anyhow that wasn't the only thing that uh microsoft announced it also announced new updates to the surface pro x which, Matt, I don't know if you recall. Do you recall what that thing was? No. <laughs> Not at I'll all. I know. See? I'll be honest. No. I mean, go for it. <laughs> the Surface Pro X was, uh, the, was introduced last year. It was Microsoft's own Windows on Snapdragon thing. Like oh, a, a convertible. So it's yes. a two-in-one. Yeah. The hardware is incredible. It's super thin. It's really premium. It looks really good. It's got a nice screen. Runs, micro, uses... The original version used Microsoft's SQ1 chipset, which it created in collaboration with Qualcomm. And this year, with today's news, Microsoft is saying, hey, we have a new chip. It is the SQ2. And they're not really sharing exactly what the differences are between the SQ1 and the SQ2. But if it's anything to go on, like if Qualcomm's own generational chipset upgrades are anything to go on, I don't think there's that much of a speed difference in terms of the processor. Um but yeah, that's that's the main, I think, big news out of the uh, Surface Pro X, that a new configuration is available with the SQ2 chipset. Um, you can get all the details, once again, on Engadget.com. I have a write-up. Uh, but also, the other new thing with the Surface Pro X is a new color option. Hey! It's all about the color Silver, options. a silver... It's all about the colors this year. Mm. Um, the silvery platinum finish uh, is the new... Uh, default one of the two new color one of the new colors you can get the tablet itself in so there's two options now the black or the silver platinum thing and then the signature keyboard cover now comes in that same sky ice blue that i really like as well as the red and the standard black so those are the new things i mean some of the other features are like software based and you know windows on arm is struggling but you know I don't. Have you had any experience with Windows on ARM devices, Matt? No, I've, I've never heard anything good about it, so I try to avoid it when possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's. I not, mean, you it's main like a MacBook, yet. right? Sorry, it's not. It's not. Do no. you? Your main driver laptop is a, an Apple, right? Yeah, MacBook Pro. Yeah, it's a MacBook. There you go. So, I think it's an interesting like device arm-based pcs they are i used to be super excited for them i still am hopeful that they'll do good i want to see what microsoft was able to do with its own chip maybe it was different from the 8cx gen 2 in some way and that there actually are speed differences but again i'll need to like take it to real world testing to know um but they've also bumped up the battery life estimate from 13 hours to 15 hours uh so you know that's nice to see maybe that's what the processor improvement is so Ooh, y'all, tell me if you're excited for this thing because it's it's hard to be excited anymore when, when Windows on ARM still needs so much work. So this week, Matt, your review of iOS 14 went up on Engadget.com. Uh, what do you feel overall about this new update? I think it's uh, pretty refreshing. Like, I don't know, when, when it yeah? comes to testing out an iOS update, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. hard to derive exactly what changes between all the numbers unless it's like... You know, remember when they got rid of the home button? It was kind of, you know, game changing yeah, and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah huge, huge differences. The last couple of years hasn't really been that kind of thing. Like they've just been refining, mm-hmm. honing, making it all work like, you know, it should. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. iOS 14, it, well, to be honest, Sherlyn, you're an, you know, you're an Android fangirl. It gives you everything yes. you might want or need. 
on iOS. <laughs> yeah. Like it gives you so many features that we've had on Android for years. Like off the yeah. top of, off the top of my head, like picture in picture video widgets, mm-hmm. like uh, an app drawer of of a sorts, uh, like just mm-hmm. the kind of in you know eminently useful useful features that we haven't seen in iOS, and now they're here. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, the, the the main thing I think that people have been experiencing that's new with iOS 14 are these like new widgets and allowing you to customize your home screens more freely or have more options to. And people have been posting a guides on how to do that on iOS 14 all over the Internet on TikTok or on Twitter that I've seen. Uh, and yeah, the other thing I've been seeing pop up on my Twitter timelines is everyone showing off their iOS 14 home screen aesthetic mm. aesthetic. Um, which like, I will say having, I mean, we've had these on Android for a while and honestly, we've all, I feel like generally cycled back to like standard home screen with icons and no, not a lot of real widgets. Um, but that depends. Maybe power users still have them. Anyway, it's fun to see like iOS now, iOS users now going, Oh, this is great. I can create this really thing. And I'm like, yo, we've gone there and come back already. Like, welcome, like come, come back to us later. Um, I will say, though, these images that people are posting of their home screens look a lot nicer than i ever seen on Android. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. Maybe just people are more creative or, or more about that look. On, so, do you, so do you know why this is happening now? Do you, do you want a little bit of explanation about why like, there's a sudden sure, like, yes. aesthetic push? Please matsplain it to me. Matsplain. I'll try. <laughs> matsplain. It's the matsplain <laughs> segment. Jingle. Hit the jingle. Dun, 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 dun. Matsplain. <laughs> Uh, so alongside like these widgets now, which include like, you can have like a full, you know, a a screen encompassing photo widget that has like your prettiest photos on display or weather widgets or calendars, the rest of it. And there's also third party ones, which adds this own aesthetic again, but you can now with iOS 14, you can kind of uniquely tweak with the, the image files for icons and kind of ascribe your own ones. And that means you can just kind of go bonkers. Like you could on Android devices, like, you can very much just choose any yeah. kind of image and slap it on any kind of app, you know, whether it's an internal Apple, you know, native app or Chrome mm-hmm. or Maps or Spotify. And so you can literally make any kind of aesthetic. You can make it kind of, you know, a mosaic photo that joins together. You can, you know, have a unified kind of nature theme. I'm looking at an absolutely bonkers superhero one where they have a different <laughs> super, different Marvel superhero for like every oh. icon. Um, you know but how I yeah. love that. And there's something, I think there's something nice. I, th- I agree with what you were saying. Like Android people have come full circle. Like, yeah, we did. We went, you know, we went completely wacky a few years ago. And would like, <laughs> yes. and remember like, you know, like I, I imagine, I can totally recall LG as a particular example, offering their own kind of aesthetic builds where it would, you know, they were skins, weren't they? You called them skins. Yeah, there were so many. And OG it, had its own, Samsung yeah. had its own, HTC had Sense, you know? Yeah, and, and, and it would unify all of the icons and kind of, you know, splash them all with the right. same paint and the same kind of yes. aesthetic logic and stuff. So it's really weird to <laughs> yes. see iPhones doing it now. I mean, it's it's is it retro? I feel like it's a retro thing to do. It's retro in the way that like fashion brings back retro every once in a while, but adds a new fresh spin. So it is kind of retro, but still feels new. I think especially to iOS users who have been faced with the same screen for so long, now being able to play around and have that freedom is fun. Uh, I want to go quickly into like what iOS 14 does offer that Android doesn't get yet, but I uh, want to point out that when we were on our production call talking about iOS 14 with our video team for this uh, show, I everyone on our video team is like iOS people, so I'm not trying to judge, but I'm trying to judge. <laughs> um, but everyone is an iPhone user, and no one on our team, it seems like, has downloaded iOS 14 just yet. And I think that's Whoa. wise. I think that okay, so one of one of them uh, on one of them who's on the stream now just chimed in to say that they have and that it's good. Uh, I think Julio was the one who chimed in, and uh, he thinks he's a techie, so maybe that's why he downloaded it ahead of time. <sighs> he thinks, out most people. Most people, I think, don't jump on software updates as quickly as we do. Mm. Um, So if you're out there listening to this podcast, you're probably an early adopter. But if you have friends who haven't, maybe show them your aesthetic. Convince them that this is the whole point of, you know, getting iOS 14. Um, But yeah, there's some other features on iOS 14, right? There's yeah, there's a few. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot actually to kind of like chew over. <laughs> you sound bored. Yeah, um, I, that's the thing though. You know when you do these reviews and your brain is just twenty four seven thinking about this topic. Uh, so let's like talk about my favorite thing. So um, yes. there's huge upgrades, obviously, with the widgets and with app organization, and it kind of 
it refreshes the whole experience. Now, on top of that, you have genuine, you know, feature additions. Now, I loved mm-hmm. picture-in-picture video, which I've already mentioned. And now mm-hmm. this is a big one. Uh, the ability to choose default apps for your email client and Ooh, your yes. web browser. Now, this is oh, good yes. stuff. Um, yes. I'm a Chrome and a Gmail user, so they went immediately onto default. Um, and yeah, it's just so <laughs> nice to like have my kind of my process set. Like I open things in Chrome because, you know, I have, well, it's on my PC. I have, you know, I have my add-ons and my widgets. I have my bookmarks. I have my passwords manager. I just, it all smooths better when I know I'm opening a link into Chrome and not Safari. And now it does it for me. Yeah. So I don't have to like awkwardly try and copy and paste from the address bar open the chrome app copy and paste it in yeah i have to re-log yeah. in again and just have myself have a headache just for using yes. my phone um, welcome to, yeah. to what android has had for a while but yes tell me about it yeah <laughs> so i did those changes immediately i really hope apple kind of walks this further like i hope they kind of bring i mean every review you'll read about ios 14 says the same thing like bring maps like i don't want to open apple maps mm. give me google maps um yes but i was thinking 100%. things like uh, notes um i'd love notes to be like other kind of organization and productivity services mm. that would be very cool to save it into like uh, I'm trying to think of the Google equivalent. They have their own kind of notes-esque. Keep, Keep is exactly what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Google Keep. Yeah. Or hey, even like uh, Evernote or some Dropbox right. functionality. There's lots um, that Apple could do with this to make it even more kind of power user-friendly. And that's what it feels like. It feels like a lot of this is great power user stuff. But a lot of it is yeah. good for dumb people like me. <laughs> do you want me to go on? <laughs> yes, please keep going. Why are you a dumb person? I would love to uh, It's the blonde hair. It's mostly the blonde hair. Uh... It's just disguised by the British that. accent. Yeah, I never, I never graduated high school. I, I, I have nothing to add to that. I really don't think <laughs> okay. I can chime in. So, <laughs> what, so why is so why is iOS fourteen good for stupid people like me, or maybe lazy is a better word. Now, um, yeah, it's probably Siri. Like Siri mm. got good. Siri got smarter. Okay. Um, so there's like alongside one of these widgets, there's one called Smart Stacks, and this means you can kind of overlap widgets on top of each other because you don't always mm-hmm. need the weather widget. You need it when you need it, and then. You know, show me battery yes, life, exactly. show me news headlines. So with smart stacks, you can kind of layer them on top of each other if they're compatible sizes. And then, you you know, you have the ability to cycle through them. On top of that, with Siri and like uh, machine learning, the phone, as you use it, will start to kind of automatically shuffle the cards up. The ones you will need to see or would see, it automatically bubbles them up later. Um, there's even one that does this with like an app. There's like a Siri suggestions widget that is... At its biggest size, looks just like eight uh, normal app icons. But these mm-hmm. are like automatically generated. They're like algorithmically, uh, algorithmically known to be the ones you're going to use or want to use at that, either that time of day. Or I've seen it stimulated by when I disconnect Bluetooth or leave the house. Um, the best example I wrote in the review is like whenever I left my house at midday to go to the gym my uh my like hiit timer app would automatically mm-hmm. pop up in my notifications nice. saying do you want to launch this wow. now and that this wow. is the this is the clever stuff this is the kind of predictive you know smartphones i want to see oh smartphones see what i did there like yeah, that's uh, this you know these are the kind of things where it's doing half the job for me like bring yeah. the feature before i know i need it like you have the knowledge you know how i use my phone you know for may wait arguably i use my phone for way too many hours each day like inform <laughs> that you know design the phone around how i use it it's yeah it's really refreshing and very cool like this is very much like initial steps but i find it exciting am i am i too I- excited I think I might be. I, maybe, maybe. But <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to get excited. I Because I even am excited for this because Google has done stuff like that, like suggested apps and whatever in your apps drawer mm. or even a suggested row of apps in Android 11. Um, I've never found them to be all that useful or, or clever. They've just never surfaced the right apps for me. So it sounds like these widgets or the smart stacks or series suggestions seem to be at least understanding your behavior on your phone better. Um, and I need to go and like figure out if I'm, you know, maybe not doing something right. Yeah, Android I, to, I, I, to I, these... I uh, yeah, just to follow on from that, I have been using iOS 14 in the beta as well. So it probably has a lot more mm-hmm. information. Although we're using Android 11 in kind of... 
I was uh, using Android so 11 in beta for a while, and then I was using the the full Android 11 before my review went up for a bit. Yeah. Um, and it's still, I mean, it's not even just Android 11 specific. It's overall Android, right? The whole suggestions um, software or system in there, it's, it's still not as smart as I'd like it to be. Like that use case that you talked about with the hit uh, timer coming up mm. once you leave the house never happens to me. <laughs> like, That's because you don't, don't do anything yeah. and you don't leave the house though. Right now, it's true, yes. Um, but it should be smart enough to know because like, I almost yeah. always, at the same time every day, launched my yoga app to cast a workout to TV or something, right? And you could always surface that app like near the right So that's still day, not popping up for you? In part because also the way I use my apps is like I search them directly from the homepage anyway. You know what I mean? Like I just but pull down the search. It should still know these things, shouldn't it? It should know you're launching right. that program, right? Right. So I, I feel like there's a lot of work to do. The other thing, too, that I want to point out that Android doesn't have that iOS 14 brings is, I mean, you've always had iMessages. I love iMessage. Like, really? I, that was the hardest thing for me when quitting um, Apple <laughs> that I did five or six years ago. And I had to, like, give up on all my iMessage group chats. And back then, I was into group chats. Like, well, I am into it now, too. But anyway, um, the fun thing during, during your review was that we had to get on an iMessage group chat because I was also reviewing the Apple Watch at the same time, so I had my iPhone going. And we could change the name of the group, I think. Uh, we could also change the icon, which is new. And these are like very minimal like tweaks to iMessage. They're not the huge deals, but you could also thread messages, I guess. And I think it was a little bit confusing. In fact, you were a little annoyed when I kept replying to a thread, apparently. Was that annoying for you? Like, was is this a feature you wish wasn't there? No, like, these are all good features, but it all plays catch up. But this is one of those we've already been talking about, you know, we're, we're from different mm-hmm. countries and stuff. But in the UK, yes. everyone swears by WhatsApp. Like, um, mm-hmm. I know you're a, quite a heavy Telegram user. And yeah, messages mm-hmm. just, like, it exists here and people use it, but it's definitely not the big yeah. messaging king it is in other countries. Like, yeah. so a lot of these features to me were like, yeah, I've seen this before. I've seen this either on Android messages or uh, WhatsApp or Telegram yeah. or even Line, like if you want to go crazy. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like it, it means it stacks up better against its rivals. So it's all good stuff. But it, again, it's nothing mm. it's nothing to get too hype about, I don't think. But it's still better than Android messages. It is then. You still feel it is. <laughs> it still is because RCS is here, but it's still not really the dream that I really wanted it to be. Um, the, the nice thing about things like iMessage and Android messages is that you don't need to have your friend install something else to be able to talk to them, right? You just need their phone number or their contact information. And that's why these built-in apps, it is so important to get them better. Yes, there are a plethora of other options out there for chatting on, but you still have that added step of making your... Like, I I love Telegram, but I can't get all the people I want to to be on Telegram. Like, I still need to, like, find alternative means to talk to people sometimes, which is hella annoying. Y'all just get on Telegram if you want to talk to me. But um, I also have to talk to you on WhatsApp, which is annoying. I'm like, ugh. My WhatsApp has a notification. Must be Matt. Has got to be Matt. <laughs> might be Brian. It might be Brian. <laughs> it might be Brian. It's either Brian or Matt um, or my family. But there you go. Anything else about iOS 14 we should, um, you know, kind of pay attention uh, to? Let me think. Um, I'm trying to think of like the main things. There's so much to kind of chew over. Um, I know. I think one thing I found is a lot of the features are kind of hidden away. Now, this is a very Apple thing, I think. But unless you're like totally, you know, you've read, like if you're, you know, an Apple device reviewer, you've read the kind of Apple sanctioned reviewer guide or, you know, <laughs> yeah. watch the entire entirety of WWDC. So, you know, absolutely every new iOS feature. But a lot of it is yeah. just squirreled away. They have a tips app that is OK. It's mm-hmm, very, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot broader. It just teaches you, you know, skills for iOS period, not any kind of particular version of iOS. So a lot of the time, like you wouldn't know these things unless you sort them out. Like the translation app is a great new addition. Now this does a on machine on device translation. If you remember to download the language packet. So if you're thinking of using it when you next travel somewhere, which might be quite a while from now, but well, yeah. yeah, you need to yeah. download these language packs ahead of time. But once you do, you have like a magical audio based translator you can type in as well in all these major core languages. Um, I think there's about 12 languages at the moment, um, but it's impressive. It's good. Um, it works good with my Japanese. It worked on my not great French and German. It worked with Brian. <laughs> we just mentioned Brian O, our video producer guy in New York. Yes. It worked with his Korean. Um, yeah, it's pretty impressive. I mean, Google used to be the king. Well, is, I'd say, still the king of... Still is, yes. Yeah, language translation. I was- 
I was gonna shout that out. Like again, another thing that welcome to Android, which you know yeah. Google rolled out better translation services recently, but it has always had pretty good translation tools. Um, even on the phones, you just have to pull up a separate app. But now it's better baked in, I think, into apps like Maps or Assistant and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's nice to see you 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 know have this feature available for iOS as well. Yeah, like just any kind of translation that's on device makes it more likely for you to use it when you're actually on vacation. You know, when you just don't want to use data because yeah. you're afraid you're going to get billed forever. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's a great feature to see. I think yeah, the main take takeaways are uh, yeah, better you know better home screens, more you know. Your phone doesn't look like the iPhone did in 2007. Now it looks modern. It looks, it gives you information you need. And that's like, you know, we're in 2020 now. This is, you know, this is what you should expect from uh, an Apple smartphone. Yeah. And then the other one yeah. is, yeah, Siri making, you know, Siri getting to a point where it's relevant and useful. Um, yeah, it's not perfect, of course, but it's, it's getting a lot better. So your iOS review went up uh, this week, Matt, but what else have you been working on? Well, that's, a, that's a great question, Sherlyn. Because <laughs> um, oh, half the time, I don't know what I'm working on. Um, so what have I been doing recently? Um, I've also been playing with the Apple Watches. So um, mm. I'm sorry I missed out on your talk last week. So testing them out. I'm taking a few photos here and there. Um, loving, yeah. yeah, Apple Watches. Um, I can only use one at a time. I have the uh, the Apple Watch SE and the Apple Watch Series Six. So I've got the six on at yeah. the moment. Um, and yeah, would love stuff. to know what you think is the better one because I think interesting. Yeah, I think whether it the SE is are. enough is a question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, but I think given that I've had a Series Five before, I don't think I could pedal back right too much that's to the true. SE. But for yeah. most people, like yeah, that's a very interesting watch. Apart from that, what else am I working on this week? I'm always feeling so busy, but Maybe I'm not busy. Maybe I should be fired. Um, obviously, <laughs> every day I'm doing the uh, Engadget the morning after newsletter. Please subscribe. Yes. Uh, TMA at Engadget.com. Email me. TMA is also an uh, anagram of Matt. So it's very easy to remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I can't say remember, though. And then I've got the uh, Morning Edition podcast, which is a different podcast to this. So that keeps me going for half the day. In the afternoons, I'm editing people. So I've got some cool stories from the other UK guys, Nick Summers, uh, Dan Cooper, um steve dent also reviews some cameras so he's reviewing some cameras for us at the moment so that's my day i'm afraid i haven't got anything specific to tell you about no, right now that's totally cool that's what your job is uh and you know i never ever think that you're not doing any work so <laughs> don't good. worry about that I think that's a i'm not going to tell on you to okay. our overlords okay, um good. i've been working on as per usual listeners of this podcast will know i'm always working on top secret stuff so more stuff I can't tell you about, but by the time this podcast goes live, you can check out Engadget.com for something else that is like under wraps that you'll see very soon. Um, some interesting stuff around ethics and mental well-being, that sort of stuff. So yeah, keep it locked. We obviously are also about to head straight into review season. Um, so there will be a lot of devices that we're going to review soon. Stay tuned for all of that before you buy anything. Uh, you know, and also Apple's iPhone events probably going to come up soon. So I think we're all in like prep mode for that. We don't have an actual date, but we're just, we're good preppers. We, we, you know, believe in preparing for the future. Anyhow, speaking of preparing yourself, we also need to relax once in a while. And Matt, you prepared some recommendations for us. What are you telling people to check out this week? Uh, what would you like? Just give me a flavor. I'm sure I have a recommendation <laughs> for anything. Flavor, matcha. Matcha. Matcha flavor. That's my Engadget yes. pick. Matcha flavor. Yeah. <laughs> matcha. Matcha. M-A-T matcha for tea. Okay, that was not as funny as I thought. What is your real recommendation? Let's go. <laughs> I mean, it's a bit of, it's a bit lame because we've been talking about it half the, half the podcast and I was talking to you oh, dear. Uh, about it just before we kick this off, but the Pixel 4a. Like, oh, okay. this is like an incredible little phone. Like, I got it a bit later mm -hmm. than uh, the US team. Um, so I missed mm -hmm. the kind of review rush. Oh, well. Um, so <laughs> I've been playing with Thanks it now. Thanks for your help. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, but yeah, it's an incredible little phone. Um, like we're saying, like the price point and the specs and how it looks, you're mm -hmm. just, mm -hmm. you're getting so much bang for your buck here. Like it's I'm talking hard. about the original 4A, right? Not yes, the 4A, 4A 5G, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, not the 5G. Like you could wait till next year for a 5G phone, I would argue. Yeah, um, probably. A headphone jack, um, again, that Pixel camera, which is just so reliable. It might not be the complete best, but a lot mm -hmm. of these completely best camera phones are only the best when they're in the hands of the pros. 
If you give yeah, a Pixel yeah. phone to Engadget superfan, my mom, Julie Smith, she will still take <laughs> incredible photos because the Pixel does half the work for her. Like, so she's so a great reliable. photographer now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, she she uses an iPhone most of the time, but oh. I have a Pixel nearby. So when, we, you know, we had a family gathering recently and when it came time to take photos of the, my adorable baby niece, shout yes. out to Etta if she's listening. She definitely isn't. She's seven she's months old. She's definitely listening. She is listening. <laughs> she's in our hearts. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but when it yes. came to taking photos there, like I could, I could pass my pixel to anyone in my family and know we'd get a really nice, you know, family photo without any need for me to kind of handhold or take the photo myself, that kind of thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good recommendation for people who are looking for a phone for not too much money. I am going to recommend our usual uh, pop culture entertainment uh, recommendations. However, since Davindra's not here. Don't tell Devendra, but I watched his <laughs> recommendation from last week because I never watch his recommendations. Um, but last week he recommended this show on Amazon Prime called Utopia, and uh, it's it's as good as he says. It holds up. It's uh, very wild. But my actual recommendations are, and I forget what order I was going to tell them in. Um, but okay, so so one of them, and I, I, on this show I try to like own the Asian horror genre genre. <laughs> God, my accent's all over the place again. Um, Asian horror movies are my whole thing. And so this week, I'm starting off with this Korean uh, flick called Svaha, The Sixth Finger. I don't really know how to pronounce <laughs> that first word. It's S-V-A-H-A, Svaha. Svaha? Svaha? I have no clue. Um, the Sixth Finger. It's um, not really supernatural, but it's slightly supernatural. I'm a big fan of like anything with ghosts and science fiction and fantasy. And this is right there. Um, it's about a religious cult worshiping for deity type things, and then but they're going around killing girls because they believe one girl is some sort of big enemy or something, big enemy energy. Um, so anyhow, it's really um, typical of like recent Korean films where there's this underdog story involved, but there's also this like criminal procedural procedural element to it, and then also some hints at supernatural stuff going on i i really liked it It as a big mood it was really mysterious it felt great i don't know if you spent a lot of time watching asian movies anymore matt um but this is available on netflix i think you might be able to check it out in the uk as well if you i don't know if you watch actually ghost shows but i'll have a look if it's on uh, uk netflix we do get a different flavor of netflix you do Uh, but i mean if you have i would recommend you check it out because i like this sort of stuff um the other recommendation is something a lot more light um but not but still very supernatural (laughs) but really freaking hilarious you must have heard of this show everyone i think has heard of this show it's it's people have hyped it up and i've just refused to watch it until recently it's called what we do in the shadows yes have you heard of it of course yeah it is so good it is like in is another level it's a whole other level it's like it's a comedy series on hulu here in america and um i mean i've heard so much about how good it is it's deadpan humor it's very like low-key the budget seems not too high like the production value isn't super there's no special effects for a lot of things but the humor and the writing is ridiculous the characters are all just these like pathetic actual vampires but they're like we're so great ha and then like a light blinks in the background that's sort of like that's sort of juxtaposition of what they're of. saying yeah, it's hilarious. Have you, you know it's based I, on a movie, right, by uh, Taika Waititi? It sounds so familiar. Yeah, it's based... I so there I, was a movie and then uh, a spin-off TV series. Thank you. I, I like what he does, Taika Waititi, so yeah. I can't pronounce his name either. I am so sorry. I, I think he's involved um, with the TV series as well, so... Oh, good. I mean, his the, the TV stuff he's worked on, I think he was involved in Community, too, and Community is really great, Ooh, so... Yeah. Yeah, so so anyway, what we do in the shadows, if you want something laugh out loud funny, like honestly, like I didn't think I was in the mood to laugh when I accidentally started watching what we do in the shadows, but like I just let it play on in the background and I just couldn't stop like laughing. It was ridiculous. So that's for you to relax to, dear listener and viewer. Uh, hopefully something that will cheer you up amid all of this bleakness that is going on. And that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Matt online at... 
Twitter at that Matt Smith. That's Matt with one T. And if you need me, you want to tell me about all these shows that I'm never going to watch until two years later, I'm at Shirley Lowe on Twitter as well. Email us your thoughts and feedback at podcastedengadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. In the subwoofers, in the subwoofers. In the subwoofers.